Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. So many great games to bet on coming up in the next week. You got the Thanksgiving games, USC Notre Dame, one of the great rivalries in college football. Maybe the game that gave you me. I think I fell in love with football. I think I fell in love with sports. Watching the USC Notre Dame game with my family. My family was a big Notre Dame family. I cheered for USC. I was allowed to be a leader. When everyone zigs, I zag. Unless you're talking about gambling and betting on games, and then I go straight to bet online like everyone else. Head to betonline.ag and join and get your 50% welcome bonus just for being friends with JT and Looney. Now, it's got to be your first time signing up at betonline to get that 50% welcome bonus, and you got to use the promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, BELIEVE, as in the Believe Radio Network, B-L-E-A-V, BELIEVE. Use that as your promo code. You put in 100 bucks, you'll get $50. Really cool. Bet online where the game starts, and now the podcast starts. Damn it! Why am I? Why do I have to start my video? Can you see me? No, I can't. I see your two beautiful sons. There it is. There you are. Can you hear me well? Yes, I hear you fine. My life and content in zooms and podcast are overwhelming and overlapping at this point that I forgot to sign out of a last Zoom meeting I was in for oh. my syndicated talk show before I logged into this one. And as Jeffrey Tubin always told us, you always make sure you sign out of your meeting. <laughs> always sign out of your meeting because I think you can shut the laptop camera down or I have this Logitech camera here. But I think the moral of the story is uh, make sure in today, don't drink and drive and always log out of your Zoom meeting. If you can do those two things, oh. you have a fair shot at staying in the media. Yeah, we, uh, we we didn't have a chance to make those type of mistakes when we when we were younger. Thank God that <laughs> uh, the young people can make growing up now. Remember, as the Internet was exploding and you and I were on the air and social media was taking off and dating apps and the tinderization and the grinderization of America, etc. I did tell you that within a very short period of time, you know, the Berlin Wall came down a week before. No one said it was going to come down. It just really came down really quickly. No one predicted it. And I said, we were going to know what every one of our politicians and our athletes look like naked. And, and, well, then, and then the next week, like uh, six, you know, there's there's uh, so there was three or four scandals right after I said that. Well, you always thought young people could get in trouble with their phones like we used to get in trouble with keg parties in the woods. Yes. And other <laughs> things that we used to do as yes. young boys. Oh, but here, goodness. always log out of your phone and uh, scrub your search history and, and get and, out of everything. And I'll, could you imagine how annoyed we would have been if our parents could have picked up their phone at any time and hit a button to see where we were? Well, we still do that. We're on the left 360 with our kids, and that's for yeah. safety reasons. And a big reason, too, is we pay for the vehicles. We oh. pay for the cars. Uh, now they're starting to make that's money. That's all fair. That, that is yeah. all fair. First of all, it is not against the law for a parent to snoop on a child. <laughs> that is what you're supposed to do because you want you. And it's all about their safety and raising them right. And young children, uh, when I say that, you know, children under 30. Uh, you know, sometimes don't always give you the truth about what they're up to, where they're going, and you want to keep your eye out for their safety. And if you own the cars, then you have a right to know where those cars are. All that stuff. They live in your house. You have a right to snoop. 
And the big issue we had when we were kids is we had to make sure mom, your mom, or my parents hung up the phone when we took a phone call because oh, we would yeah. get a call in the kitchen and we would go downstairs or upstairs <laughs> on the phone and they would hang up or they could pretend to hang up. And I didn't have snooping parents that way. Yeah, my mother would have done that. But, and but, again, I have two boys. I, I have two boys. I don't have girls. I don't have to snoop around diaries and oh yeah, that, and all be, that. But I don't you, have to snoop yeah, around. You wouldn't have been as good at that. You weren't as good at, at uh, having sisters as somewhere, and you probably wouldn't have been as good uh, raising daughters. And it, uh, it totally makes fair. sense. I think yeah. I would have been wound pretty tight, uh, tighter than I can be. From time to time, my sons will say, "Dad, you're tight. You're real tight today." And I'm like, "You're right. I'm your dad. I'm have the right to be tight. I'm paying for this. <laughs> this is all coming through my portal and my checkbook." But yeah, I don't think I would have right. been. A, I think I would have been fine, but I don't think I would have been a great parent of girls because. I think I would have been really hard and uh, worried about it. I would have worried more. Oh, yeah. It's I always, about my it's always easier when the, when the biology and the mechanics aren't a mystery. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, and, and, and with boys, another thing, too, is, you know, my mother was a first grade teacher for so long. She found it easier to teach boys because they didn't pout as long. You know, the girls will sometimes would pout half the day as, you know, teachers sometimes have to rec- reprimand children and the boys would pout, you know, five minutes. So and that is that is guys. We can get into fist fight and have a beer with the same guy on the same day. And so that is one of the joys of uh, raising boys. Is the NFC a fraud? Oh, is the I NFC a fraud? This. I'm looking at the NFC and I'm saying to myself, wait a second. If you look at the standings in the NFC playoffs, there's not anyone on God's green earth, including the general manager, the owner of the Philadelphia Eagles that had them at nine and one. Really no one. And you could say at the start of the year, you could have got lucky. And said, you know, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will be nine and one. People always say the Cowboys, America's team. No single NFL insider, not one, had the Eagles at nine and one. Maybe the Eagles, a wild card team, or the fight for the division. As you know, too, being an NFC East guy, mm-hmm. that's the NFC East year in and year out. Which team is going to be? Uh, because because they've been garbagey the last ten years. Well, the teams that are in the NFC playoffs as of tonight as we are on the eve of Thanksgiving right before that, the Seahawks would be in at the seventh seed. Then the Giants would be in at the sixth seed. And the Vikings would be the two seed at eight and two. The Buccaneers would be the four. And the 49ers, who might be the best team in the NFC, as we record this podcast, are six and four. They mugged and destroyed Arizona at Azteca Stadium in Mexico City, Mexico City. And now everybody, the popular pick for popular people, Tom, Oh, the San Francisco 49ers. Oh, their bandwagon is filling up. Oh, they got yes. plenty of room, but room is running out with Christian McCaffrey and Ayuk and Debo Samuel and everybody they have there. So get on the Niner bandwagon before it fills up for you. Well, and here's another thing, too. The recency bias, seemed to, is it get more extreme now, year in and year out with sports? It sure seems it, it, it could. There could be an argument that every team in the NFC is a fraud. One has a chance to win the Super Bowl because the Super Bowl, you have a 50 50 chance of winning that game, even though most of the teams in the AFCs, there's uh, there's far fewer frauds in the AFC than the NFC. And it could uh, it could be argued that every one of the teams in the playoff picture is a fraud. You've seen the Vikings if like throw out their best win and their worst loss and you got a pretty shitty team. With the Minnesota Vikings, it's quite surprising. They're 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 still, and Kirk Cousins is still throw out the best win, throw out the worst loss, and Kirk Cousins is still a bum slayer. 
Well, what's interesting is Justin Jefferson had the greatest catch of all time oh, with a wink and a nod to Odell Beckham Jr. Yeah, and that giant cowboy so catch. Good. But the, the catch that he made against the Buffalo Bills was on fourth down and the greatest catch of all time. Not first down in the first quarter, right, right with the game on the line against Buffalo. That was a great game. The oh. team I picked to win the Super Bowl. So when they won that game, they won that game with a goal line fumble by Josh Allen, a Justin Jefferson catch, Kirk Cousins with the chains on the plane. Everyone said, wow. I'm going to get into the Vikings now, man. Their record proves it. Uh, at that time, they were 8-1. and one. Everyone's looking at them saying, this is a great win. But then, after the Dallas Cowboys were up 14 at Green Bay, they lost at Green Bay, and something really special happened. Mike McCarthy wanted that win. We met Mike McCarthy in Green Bay. Good guy. He has a, he has a street named after him, after him right outside Lambeau Field. His Cowboy players let him down. And then they went into Minnesota the following week and crushed Minnesota. So I thought that was the moment for the Cowboys season where instead of saying, oh, my God, we lost Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. We let our coach down in Green Bay. They came back and beat the Minnesota Vikings and they slapped them and took them out behind the woodshed. I think the Cowboys all of a sudden, not all of a sudden, they're for real. They have, a well, they, they have the Texans, the Colts and the Jacksonville Jaguars coming up with a schedule. So. The, mo the recency bias in the next few weeks is going to be Cowboys, 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 Cowboys. You have to play the Eagles as well. And so that's going to be really exciting. And this, maybe maybe there's one team that isn't a fraud. And it's just it's just surprising to say it, because if I said it before, the, you know, back in our Super Bowl prediction show, you would have laughed at me. The Seattle Seahawks. Pete Carroll is a good coach. They had their draft was amazing. Geno Smith is one of the great stories. You know, we might have left somebody off the list. You know, Rich Gannon was a good quarterback before he played for out of his mind uh, for the Raiders under Gruden. But it is a similar story. He wasn't as bad as Geno Smith with the Kansas City Chiefs and the Minnesota Vikings. But that was a reclamation project for the ages with Rich Gannon, which we didn't mention last week. And the Geno Smith reclamation project might be the greatest of all time. Yeah, let's take a look at Geno Smith because I had Warren Moon on the radio earlier today, and I'm prepping for the Seahawks because uh -huh. the Raiders are playing the Seahawks this weekend up in Seattle. Geno Smith in 10 games has a 72.8 passing percentage. I repeat, 72.8, which is amazing. 17 touchdowns, four interceptions, and a quarterback rating of 108. Oh, now, yeah. And that hasn't changed. That, that has not no. changed from because, you know, I'm obsessed with the quarterback rating. He's been and two has had an amazing one, but he's been number one or number two all year in the NFL. So I believe that Geno Smith wasn't even a good backup quarterback because, you know, I love my backup quarterback. Yes, yes. We are both fascinated by yes, backup quarterback because they should be ready to go. And I'll get to Zach Wilson not getting benched for Joe Flacco in a minute. But when it comes down to your backup, Geno, who's now this literally MVP candidate. Oh, yeah. I believe eventually it's going to fall apart. Now, I don't root against people, but I just think Gino, he's going to have two or three games where he just plays poorly. He didn't play great in Germany. They lost that game. He's coming off a bye week. The Raiders just beat Denver, Devontae Adams, Carr, Josh Jacobs. They're going into Seattle. Where before the season started, man, I interviewed a lot of people on Seattle. Everyone, because they had Denver's pick. Remember Denver yep. with the Russell Wilson move? Not only does Seattle have this, they have a top five pick now. If Denver continues to collapse, and they will, they're terrible. Denver's god-awful. Seattle's going to have a high draft pick. They're going to have their own draft pick. They're playing well. They're a playoff team as of tonight. They have one of the best draft classes we've seen in 10 years. They have five players on this past draft. 
Two of them might be pro bowlers. Five of them are starting and impacting. So Seattle, I think Pete Carroll is going to be the coach of the year for what he did because most people thought they were only going to win two or three games. And I feel bad for the New York Jets and the Pittsburgh Steelers because when you take a look at the other end of the quarterback rating, two of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL are Mitch Trubisky and Kenny Pickett and Zach Wilson and Joe Flacco. Those are the four of the five worst quarterbacks in the NFL. Before we get to yeah, before we get to Zach Wilson, I just want to give you one more NFC team. What a job by my friend Ron Rivera and the Washington Commanders, who are six and five. Yeah, with an owner that's a wall. He's not allowed to be around. Daniel Snyder. They're about to throw him out of the league. Uh, The team I think started off one and four. They were awful. And now they're doing it with Taylor Heineke, and Carson Wentz is ready to come back, but Heineke's winning. They've been doing it without Chase Young, one of the best young pass rushers, as he's just been made active and hopefully can play going forward. Jack Del Rio, defensive coordinator, and Ron Rivera, they did a hell of a job, and the Wolves were at the door with that job. Ron Rivera's highly respected, but the team was so bad, they looked like they were going into the tank, and they dug out of the hole. So when you think about quitting, when you start out one and three, one and four, just look to the commanders this year and how Ron Rivera turned it around. Are your Giants for real? No. And that was a great conversation <laughs> I had with my dad. I was talking to my dad up in New Paltz, New York, as they moved back from Naples just for the holidays to see people. And I said, Dad, go, how about the Giants? Oh, they're done. Said, well, Dad, what are you talking about? They're done. Detroit came into New York. Detroit. With nothing to play for other than that coach with all the muscles, right. you know, the muscles, and he's always like throwing stuff. And they destroyed the Giants. The Giants lost six players in that game, injuries everywhere. And the Giants had an opportunity to be eight and two. Do you know if the Giants took care of their home field and beat Detroit? The Giants would be eight and two, one game out. And now the Giants are seven and three, and they got to go into Dallas on Thanksgiving as a heavy underdog. So I think this is where the lug nuts get loose with the Giants. I like Brian Dayball a lot. Daniel Jones is playing better than I thought, but they got a big test on Thanksgiving. Uh, And and there's no easy wins in the NFL, cliche, cliche. But when the Giants and the Dallas Cowboys get together, it's always, almost always a close game. So even though the Cowboy fans are celebrating that they've got uh, such an easy schedule coming up that also includes Jacksonville and Houston, and the New York Giants, uh, that's never an easy win. Let's talk about how male ego is so strong for football players. Let's just stay with the pros, pro oh, football yeah. players. Why wouldn't they be? So, so Zach Wilson plays, it's the Jets versus the Patriots, and it might have been the worst football game ever played, ever. It was 3-3. <laughs> right. It was 3-3. No one like deserved to punts, win that Whatever game. it was. So on the last punt of the game before overtime, the Jets don't punt the ball out of bounds. I say this, God rest his soul, Ray Guy. The only punter in the Hall of Fame, he just passed away a couple of weeks ago. And he did something called the Coffin's Corner. He would kick it so far and so high, and he put it in the corner so it would bounce and bounds and then go out of bounds. And they call that the Coffin's Corner. So the Jets, all they had to do with time running out is kick it out of bounds. They kick it to the Patriots. The Patriots run it back, and they win the game. It was an unbelievable way to win. Amazing. Amazing. I saw it. And after the game, Zach Wilson, who played so poorly, went to the podium, and someone in the media said to him, you know, the defense played great. Do you feel that this is on you? I'm paraphrasing. And he just said, with a snarky, cocky, little punk look, he looked at the camera and said, no, on to the next one. That got into the locker room. So they went into the locker room in New England and told a couple of the wide receivers, and they got upset about it. 
And then the New York media, New York Post, Daily News, all the digital, they got wind of it. And they just took this kid and destroyed him because he was so arrogant. And all he had to do at that moment, Tom, was say, you know something? This loss is on me. I played terrible. I couldn't throw a five-yard screen pass. My defense was fantastic. My brothers on defense did enough to win this game, and I let him down. He went the opposite, and now he might lose his job and get benched. I wouldn't bench him. I'd give him a chance to come out of it. You can't bench him because Joe Flacco is the backup, and that's why you can't bench him. So that's that's always a good reason to see. Yeah, but let me stop you there because you could have benched him during the game. And here's the problem I have with the NFL. A lot of times coaches – a quarterback's having an awful game, especially a young one. You bench him, you're not going to ruin the kid. You bring in a guy like Joe Flacco or Mike White, you bring him in in the fourth quarter and say, winning the game means more to my owner than hurting the ego of the quarterback. So if they would have took him out of the game and then brought in a backup and won the game, they could have put Zach Wilson right back in. Now Robert Sala, the coach of the team, is dealing with the heat because he backtracked. He said he was going to stick behind him after the loss. Then the heat was so hot. Coaches have to backtrack on that shit all the time. Yeah, and then he backtracked, and now everybody's wondering. And as I often say, the wolves are at the door. And this is a kid. There was a great exchange between Booger McFarland and Steve Young on Monday Night Football before because Booger said that this kid grew up rich, and he did. He's got a gorgeous mom. Everybody knows his mom's hot, and his dad has money, and he played at the same school as who? Oh, nothing, Steve Young. So Steve Young was there, and Booger said, well, he grew up with no adversity because he grew up as a rich kid. It looked like Steve Young was going to come across the table. Steve Young grew up in Connecticut. Right. A family that was, I wouldn't say well off. I read his book. It was brilliant. But Steve had a a very good life, good family, and you could tell he was mad. And and that's old-fashioned angst from football. in, In that a lot of times. It's no longer. I mean, now they're put, now they're making the best football player the quarterback, and we're seeing that come to fruition in the NFL, where they're all playing like Lamar Jackson, who's the best football f- player. Period. The best football player on the field, and they're taking the best football player, the guy with the most future, and making them quarterbacks now. And it used to be the rich guy's son. So that's ancient angst there that that I saw, and and not always fair because a- Andrew Luck was a rich guy's son and nobody ever came more prepared to play and not only that JT you got to take any any quarterback when they're a rookie into the locker room and put Andrew Luck's losing press conferences on a loop it used to drive you crazy yeah because it, it was so classy uh, Oscar De La Hoya it was always the same thing so classy not angry never pointing fingers owning it all himself he was the best at it and zach wilson needs to watch him on a loop all week long it has to be an uh, after practice for an hour just watch it on a loop well this could have been easily corrected all they should have did is the owner should have got involved and the head coach and the gm and just sat the kid down and said here's what we're going to do tomorrow you acted like such a childish punk by just disregarding your presence in that game and what your defense did we're just going to have a team meeting tomorrow, and you're going to go apologize. You're going to yeah, get on the stage in the meeting, yeah. and you're going to apologize sincerely, and this is all going away. And you know what? He'll do it. It's a team sport. You got to yeah. do it for the team. You got to go do it. And Football players and a lot of the best co-workers we ever had at Fox Sports Radio over the years, and you've had at other networks. We're always either rugby players like you were or football players. People who play team sports know what to do for the team. He'll do it. Yeah, it might be a little too late. It might be a little too late because there's a lot of heat on this young kid, and I'm a big believer. Part of my DNA growing up in New York, I grew up in the Billy Martin 
George <laughs> Brenner era, yeah, uh-huh. that when you ignite the New York media, when you give them oh a little bit of blood God. in the water, when you give them a little bit of chum, they don't let up. And they're going to be all over this. And they'll, and they'll turn on you if they like the like New York Post did on Trump. They'll turn on you on a dime and just forget what we ever wrote before. This guy sucks. They'll do it to you. You're right. I believe that everybody on God's green earth, especially in the United States, should pretend just fake it that you love the World Cup. Here's why. <laughs> exactly. It's right. the greatest party in the world. It's the biggest party in the world. Now, this one's different because this one's in the wintertime because Qatar or if you like to say Cutter, Cutter, however you pronounce it, they, through fraud and FIFA, bought with corruption, bought the World Cup and brought it to Qatar. And no one wants to be there. No one wants to be there because of their views in that region of the world where it comes to homosexuality, when it comes to other women in life, women. So no one wanted to ever be there. But with fraud, they found their way there and they bought it through FIFA. Now everybody's down there and Fox is broadcasting. And I don't really have a big knock on Fox. You know, they got to broadcast the World Series. They got to broadcast the World Cup and do that. And they probably don't love the location. But the next World Cup will be in North America with Mexico, Canada, and various spots in the United States. And it's played in winter because it's so warm. In the summer, they can't play it. But Messi lost for Argentina. And Pele for Brazil won three of World Cups. And he won at a time where soccer was very competitive, but not as competitive as now. Messi has a lot, much tougher road than Pelé had with Brazil, who was expected to win every time they played. He loses in the opening round to Saudi Arabia, and the internet broke this morning. And the game was on at 2 in the morning Pacific time. I woke up. I didn't even DVR the game because I was convinced Argentina would win. I, haven't, I, yeah, right. I actually had him win in the tournament, and I woke up to that. And now England is going to play the United States on Friday. Oh, man. After the United States drew with Wales, a tiny, tiny, tiny baby country, a little baby, baby, small country, a little bit of fella. And we have over 330 plus million people here and we couldn't beat them. And England won huge in their first game against Iran. So that's going to be a big game coming up on Friday. And I think you in Los Angeles, which is such a big town with the English, and you could tell us about that. Yeah. Oh, my God. English in the West Side the alone, there, it's estimated there's at least 30,000, 40,000 uh, immigrants, not necessarily all with papers either or overstaying their visa on the West Side. That happens and they, in California a lot. Oh, yeah, yeah it happens sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, we're very laissez-faire about those type of things. Me, me, me country, Sioux country. Here in California. And, uh, and so they fill the bars. Uh, on the west side, Santa Monica, especially the beach cities, Venice, they fill the bars and the bars. Were, and, it, you know, uh, my, my friend Bobby was watching and Rochester was watching the United States and Wales in an Irish bar. And he was stunned when the when the United States scored. He was the only one that cheered oh. because the bar was full of people. Uh, a lot of uh, Irish and English who were cheering for Wales just because I guess maybe because they were playing big bad the United States so that was surprising and that goes you know if, if you were upset with Kaepernick and you're the person who says you get the chills for the Star Spangled Banner you probably should be at least paying attention to the World Cup and cheering for your country yeah, and it's not, fun yeah it's because excuse. it's positive it's not a weenie reason like with the old Kaepernick controversy and all the stuff we've had over the years it's a real fun way that we can all no matter what anyone's political stripe can uh, have, have fun watching sports like well i always remind people i always remind people that we as americans we're not the best at everything 
We're not. And we think we are in sports. We're the best. Right. Well, no one else plays in the NFL. No other, There's no country that <laughs> right. cares about the NFL. They all care about soccer, every one of them. Yep. Over to Thailand, to Cape Town, all the way to Argentina, uh, anywhere in Canada, around the world, throughout Europe, they love South soccer. America, so Central America, the Dominican Republic. It's, it's incredible how uh, people, uh, Canada, people other than the people from the United States care so much about it. And it, it really, and we have a really young team, too. They're going to be good for a while. And we have a problem trying to like other sports that we're not comfortable with. That's the big takeaway. Oh, that's true. Podcast. Yeah, yeah. So we don't understand soccer, the culture, the songs, the histories, the rivalry. Now, I treat it like Yankees and Red Sox. When I got into NASCAR and Andrew Ashwood took me to my first Daytona 500, greatest thing he ever told me walking in, pick a driver. Excuse me? Pick a driver. And I picked Dale Earnhardt Jr. And I went to the big rig and bought one of the hats. And then I walked in and I had a rooting interest. And then yeah. I learned who didn't like Little E and who his rival was. And then I got really into NASCAR. And you know, we talked about the NFC East before. The Eagles hate the Commanders, formerly Redskins. Mm -hmm. The Cowboys hate the Giants. The Giants hate the Eagles, so you're vested in it. With World Cup, just treat it like a game of risk, the board game. Yeah. Hate other countries, right. despise other countries, and don't like other regions of the world and root against them. It's a, it's it's so much fun, and we do have a young team in this. But now, what is their chances against England? No, uh, well, they have a chance. England's <laughs> just a powerhouse. All of England's yeah, players big... play in the Premier League. Ours play in the little MLS. They yeah. play in the MLS where all the kids play, and the moms come on. Shout the field out to the Los boxes. Angeles Football Club, the champions yes. of the yes, MLS. Yes, of the, of the MLS. Uh, if they played in the Premier League, they'd be relegated. They'd be oh, relegated God. to a third league in Scotland somewhere. You'd never hear of them. But, no, that was very cute that the L.A. team won in the MLS. Seriously. But this is big boy soccer. And what happens in the World Cup, as you know, is the greatest players in the world don't play anywhere other than the greatest clubs in the world. And most right. of those clubs are in England, in the Premier right. League. And some of them are in La Liga, which is the Spanish league, where Messi played at Barcelona, Real Madrid. And then you have the Bundesliga, which is the German league, with Dortmund and some powerful teams there. So when you take these players, a player who's the best player in Japan or the best player in Africa – or the best player in France, you know, when I say Zidane, Zinedine Zidane, <laughs> or, or if you look at Mbappe, who plays, they, what they do is they normally go play for the best league, the major leagues, which is the Premier League. But what they do is they go back home to their country and they play for their country in international games against other countries, and that all builds up to the World Cup. Who does Chicharito play for? Well, Chicharito, big deal there with Mexico. They okay. left them off the team. I had Eric Winalda wow. on, that big big soccer name on the show, and I had Lee Hacksaw Hamilton on. Wow. He knocked me off the same stool I'm sitting on because he talked about the fact that Chicharito was not asked to play oh on this team, God. and he had 17 wow. goals, I believe, in MLS, and there was politics there. But remember, Tom, so all these guys go back to their home country, their country of origin, and then they hook up with these guys. Like Messi goes back and plays with Argentina. Well, he doesn't play much with Argentina. He plays with... You know, Barcelona and the team he plays for now when he plays in Paris and he, and he plays with Paris Saint-Germain or another team. So when you go back, it'd be like, let me give you a good example. It'd be like uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo mm -hmm. in, oh. in the Olympics saying, I'm not going to play with the Bucs, a much better team than my Greek team. 
right? right. The Bucks, <laughs> the Bucks would kill his Greek team by 40 points. Right. But he has to go lead that. So part of the World Cup will be uh, hyped up for the next couple of weeks. And I picked Argentina to win. I'd love England. I'd like to see America do well. So you burned a segment on your uh, on your on your satellite radio show yeah, talking I about one. I <laughs> picking Argentina. I did it on uh, tape. Don't tell uh, them. Oh, oh my God! I just I just hope the people, I hope the truckers stayed on the road while you were doing that yeah, segment. And uh, when, hey, when, when you, but the, the New York Cosmos, what league are they in, JT? The New York Cosmos. Because when, when, when Pele, no, they disbanded, it's the New okay. York. I think it's the New York Red Bulls. And okay. everyone's clapping oh, at it. Okay. it probably isn't even the Red Bulls anymore. Well, I just knew no when Pele came from Brazil. Yeah. To the United States, it was such a huge. I mean, that turned a lot of people out of soccer in the United States. And when you were a young boy that and that happened, did you were you did you have any interest in None. soccer before Pele None. came to play for the New York Cosmos? No, I was a stockbroker in San Diego and uh, my buddy Charles who grew up with English soccer hooligans and grew up in North London. Okay. Uh, I drove around with his car and he taught me all about the culture. So I went from on a scale of zero to a hundred, a zero knowing anything about soccer and driving around with this guy, a mentor to me in a summer. And then a year, year and a half, he taught me everything about soccer overseas, the songs, the rivalries. And I really got fascinated by the hooliganism because I just thought it was incredible that fans would go to train stations dressed in the other team's uniforms and then take them off and then have their real colors on and fight almost to the death. I said, this doesn't happen at a Cowboys Eagles game. It could get pushing and shoving. Right. I, I was fascinated by how overseas these sports are life and death. And unfortunately, really sad stories about people dying and getting oh, there is. But, but also sharpened coins. It's fascinating. The violence and the history and the rivalries in the sport. We wish in the United States, the biggest danger we had walking down the street was sharpened coins. But yeah. one of the reasons why in England, too, that they feel so free to do that is they don't have a lot of guns. So people fist fight in England, like in the old days. I wish that's what we were doing here in the United States. I suppose people were walking to bars and calling fist fights and not walking to the bars with guns or walking to the bars with sharpened coins. That would be a really nice uh, turn of events for us in the United States with all the sadness we've had with the bullets flying. I won't go quietly. I'll battle till the end. Oh, I am. I am so immersed in the crown. We are now in the in the segue and we're going to the season of Princess Diana, Prince Charles, the marriage, the separation, Camilla Parker Bowles, Dodie Fayed. Oh, my God. That back, oh, that, that story is so good and how he wanted to sit with the queen. Oh, my God. And, and, and it's so inspiring for anybody for where, where, where Fayed said, how do you get to sit with the queen? Well, you have to own Harris. So he bought Harris, worked his ass off and bought Harris. I mean, it's just I, and that's the short story. Oh, my God. So good the episode so good. where they introduced Dodie Fayed. And yeah. at the end, we're not going to ruin it for everybody, but right. he's the individual who starts dating Princess Diana right. when the divorce. And, and the that's separation. how far I am so far. I haven't got yeah. Dodie meeting him yet, but I've got I've got to the soccer game. Well, with Do- that episode, I think, is a masterpiece. Uh, I, I went back too. and watched it again. It was so uh. fabulous. The artistic, uh, the, the scenery was amazing. And the way they went back to the Middle East or depicted the Middle East and Egypt oh, yeah. and everything was just a fantastic. Oh, yeah. They went back to Alexandria, Egypt in the 40s, right? Or the yeah. 20s. Oh, it was so good. And very similar to Game of Thrones. What I love about The Crown is every episode is like a movie. So you're going to watch yeah. a movie yeah. when you watch an episode of this. And 
didn't know. I don't like the new Prince Philip because I love the old Prince Philip. But this Prince Philip uh, has a friend, and we don't know if he, you know, was in love with this friend because he's right. married to the queen. And he, he's they're saying he's not, he's not cheating on the queen, but he has a friend. And then Prince Charles, they're making him out to be because Prince Charles is now King Charles. But this is back in the day when he breaks up and leaves Diana for Camilla. He was a scoundrel. He really was a scoundrel to do everything he did to her. But they're showing how he evolved from that and all the charity that he did with the Prince's Trust. Yes. Oh, yeah. That, that's incredible. I did not know that. And so yeah. I'm happy I do because we don't know. You know that's, that, that part didn't get covered a lot in the United States. It wasn't salacious. When people do good deeds, it doesn't get as much covered. As much coverage as when they do scandalous things. And I, the problem I have with this version of the crown is the guy playing Prince Charles, now King Charles, is too handsome. Yeah, you said that. He's a good looking man. <laughs> yes, they don't have one, they don't have one more. One because the last Charles was great. They don't have one more ugly actor in England to play, to play Prince Charles, please. But uh but this guy, this guy's doing a good job, but I just have a hard time picturing him as Charles. The last one looked more like Charles. Well, as I told you, and I'm serious, there's a lot of seriousness to this from the House of the Dragon to Game of Thrones, even to the crown. I believe in the United States we should switch to a king and queen. We still have Congress. We should still have Congress. They have parliament, correct? Yeah. They have 10 Downing Street, they have Parliament. Okay, and they have all of that, but I think we should in this country have a king and a queen. Kim Kardashian would want to be. <laughs> Our country is so stupid at times. She'd have a chance to be the queen. Oh, yeah, especially if we voted. She could actually become the queen, but I think we'd be a better country if we looked up to some royalty and had a king or a queen. I, I just think I, it's a side piece to the I side. I think we'd be, you know, Belgium has no government. They have no elected figures, and they have a democracy and a very successful one. I think we get caught too caught up in having our politicians be our valentines rather than just voting for the person that you hope will take the country in the direction you would like it to go. That would be I, I would prefer people would vote that way. But everyone wants a valentine and a superstar. And I think that and and, and the thing I really think we could learn also from watching the anybody could learn from the crown is if we could demand that much. If we could take more seriously, again, the people who run for public office and their knowledge, their ubiquitous knowledge of everything. Prince Charles could talk about anything. Yeah, the way, smart, the, way the queen and Prince uh, Princess Margaret went up into the lighthouse and started talking about the history of ships at sea and the meaning the, 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 why the lighthouse was so important back in the day. Just a side conversation. Both of them so well read about the history of seafaring uh we are we do need more leaders that are you know that write books like john f kennedy not read them just and also write them that'd be nice for our subscribers on youtube who can see the podcast and you should see the podcast yeah i'm fascinated on why you're wearing usc as oh, your I knew UCLA hoodie in the laundry and your usc hoodie because that's a popular thing with famous sports talk hosts in los angeles who never went to usc and they're from Washington, the state of Washington, right. or they're from Elmira, New York. Every <laughs> once in a while, they gravitate to USC over UCLA. My son, my second son, was born at UCLA. So I, I root for UCLA because my son was born on that campus, more right. so than SC. Why the USC gear tonight? And, and I knew it would bother you. So I couldn't it, has, wait it does bother me. And I pull it out, you know, two months a year when it's cold in LA. 
and then I have to find it uh, every every November. But it's I have a, I probably left this out in all the years we worked together. It was so unprofessional. I was always afraid it would show my age, so I always pretended I knew nothing before 1990. And and I grew up in a big Notre Dame house. And USC might might be there. the might be the reason I like sports. Might be the reason I'm sitting here. Might be the reason I fell in love with football. USC was playing Notre Dame on television. And I saw the greatest football player I've still ever seen in my life. And he was also one of the greatest baseball players ever. Anthony Davis, who should have won three Heisman trophies. Uh, both of the ones Archie, Archie Griffin couldn't hold Anthony Davis's jock. But Anthony Davis was on at night. Still, even you, you look at the UCLA game. It started at five. They usually start at 730, which is 1030 Eastern UCLA. USC has gotten ripped off when it comes to Heisman's over the years. And Anthony Davis scored six touchdowns against Notre Dame. I wanted the good. I was the front runner. I, I like the red team. So I like USC. I became a huge Anthony Davis fan, huge USC fan. And he was only a sophomore. I got to watch him for three years. The next year, he they let him play defensive back and kickoff and play running back. And then the famous 55-24 game, his senior year when he legendary. returned. Oh, legendary game. So I saw every second of all those three. I would see USC twice a year, Notre Dame. And UCLA, and maybe in a bowl game, right? Mm-hmm. Then Notre Dame, bowl UCLA bowl. bowl game. Notre Dame, UCLA. I do have to wait till November, December, and January to see USC play, and always loved them. And I loved when they came back with Pete Carroll. And so, yeah, I was always a huge. And they were, you know, they were running back when we were growing up. The running back was the most important position, yeah. more important than the quarterback. And and they and year in and year out, they'd have a guy win a Heisman Trophy, and the next guy'd be better. Okay, Charles White, Marcus Allen. You go yes. through the list of those running backs. And, and, and Anthony oh. Davis and Ricky Bell and Charles oh. White and legendary, legendary Raider Clarence Davis. One of my favorites. Yeah, and also number 28. I know you have a heavy heart. This is the first Thanksgiving without your mom. Yeah. Hey, toots, rest in peace. So I hope you... Have a great Thanksgiving. I know you're going to be thinking about your mom. You'd often go back to be with your mom on Thanksgiving. Right. She recently I, passed I away. Be so part we'll be of the madness. Of Thank you so much because holidays are always tough for anybody who loses anybody. And I learned that from mom. Stay with your. We had a friend whose husband died here about 10 years ago here in California. My mother said, stay there. It's a holiday. Stay there for Thanksgiving. Stay there for Christmas. Your friend just lost a spouse. Stay there and go to that friend's house for Thanksgiving and Christmas. So you're right. The holidays are tough. Uh, the Thanksgiving holiday can be tough for, let's say, oh, my nephew, David, who was born on this day. And I always send him a picture of like Jackie in a bloody dress or maybe I, this year. And I say saddest day in American history. <laughs> Every year on his birthday, I'll send him you know, JFK's bloody shirt and say worst day in American history. <laughs> so he... His birthday always gets uh, gets displaced by the Kennedy assassination. Happy birthday to you. Yes. We're all busy with Thanksgiving while you're celebrating a birthday. Yes. Uh, November 23rd is a day that will go down in infamy. Uh, my sons are here. My wife is here. My dog is here. I miss my family, too, but we'll all FaceTime because that's what we do now. Okay, we don't get on planes anymore and spend $700 round trip and spend the whole day in airport. We just FaceTime for four minutes and pass it around to all the aunts and uncles and <laughs> nephews. Yeah, that's great. And everything's good with that. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Wow, you're a trooper.
Thank you for listening to all 39 minutes and 39 seconds of the JT and Looney podcast. We have such symmetry around here. JT and Looney podcast is powered by Bet Online, where the game starts. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.